A Fork on the Road is brought to you by GoDaddy. Well, they have everything you need to put your business online, find new customers, and kick butt online. They started by registering... says kick ass online. I don't want to say ass. But that's what GoDaddy wants you to say. No, I don't want to say GoDaddy's all that. about ass. Have you not seen Danica Patrick? She's fabulous. She is. Right, you can get you started by registering a domain name and creating your website with GoDaddy's easy-to-use website builder. Already have a site? Keep it running fast with GoDaddy web hosting. It's go time. Visit, Visit GoDaddy.com. Enter promo code FORK32 and save 32% on your new purchases. Some limitations apply. Always, with See everything. See the website for details and then get ass kicking online. Get butt kicking with GoDaddy. Whatever. It's morning. I wake up. The taste of summer sweetness on my blood. It's a clear day in this city. Let's go dance under the streetlights. All the people in this world, let's come together more than ever. I can feel it. Can you feel it? of the web's number one travel and food talk show, A Fork on the Road. I'm travel guru Mark DiCarlo, and next to me is lovely and talented and New Orleans-ready, Yenny Alvarez, the traveling guru. Hello. Next week, we'll be coming to you live from the New Orleans Jazz and Heritage Festival, interviewing musicians, interviewing chefs, interviewing patrons. We were there last year at the festival and had a great time. We are going back to do another live remote, so make sure you check in with us next week show's going to be fun. We're looking forward to heading down to New Orleans. Memorial Day, we're going to be in Chicago doing a live broadcast from the Randolph Street Market. It's going to be great. My band's going to be playing there on Saturday, the 26th, 25th, 24th. I think Saturday's the 24th. Uh, my band, Old Blues Eyes, is going to be playing live. We have some surprise guests that are going to join us on stage. And we'll be doing a remote broadcast from this great food. This is a historic food and uh uh, entertainment venue in Chicago. They do it all year long, but in the winter months, it's indoors. So this will be the first outdoor one for the summer. It's happening over Memorial Day, the 24th and 25th of May in Chicago, Illinois. You can go to RandolphStreetMarket.com to get more information, to get tickets. Tickets are only $5, I think, and you can eat and drink and hear some great music, hear some special guests, and see us live. Do a show in Chicago. That's going to be fun. And it's not cold. Well, that's we the best part. We cannot guarantee that because it is Chicago, and they had their worst winter in 20 years this past year. But it's reasonable to assume that it'll be lovely and sunshiny, and cold beer will be flowing, and delicious street food will be streeting, and it's going to be a great event. So go to RandolphStreetMarket.com for more information. Also follow us on Twitter to get more information about deals on tickets and timing. My Twitter handle is Mark DiCarlo. And mine is Traveling Diva. So uh, that's happening Memorial Day weekend next weekend. We're going to be in New Orleans. Uh, if you've missed any of our past shows, you can catch them on our website. Aforkontheroadshow.com. And uh, this show today is all kind of about street food, too. We have yes, two great guests with us. World-famous chef, founder of the Border Grill, founder of Street, and a very energetic and interesting woman, Susan Feniger. Chef Susan Feniger is going to be joining us in a little bit to talk about how she got started in... Chefing, her in world chefing? in chefing, and uh, where she gets her ideas for recipes, and, and uh, she's a voracious traveler and really soaks up the culture and then spits it out on not literally onto a plate. <laughs> 
Oh, drop it on the car. Right, and she'll be You'll joining see, us. And we're going to learn about how to take a sabbatical. Most of us work 60 hours a week, busting our ass for 45 years. Then we retire and you get hit by a bus. A lot of other people take sabbaticals. They take a little time out, three months, six months, whatever, stop their careers and just go and travel the world and really experience what it's like to be a human being here. So we have a guest that's going to be coming on the show. Yeah, Jamie Watkins is going to be telling us all about how you two can do that. Every seven years she takes a sabbatical and this is her... Seven-year-age? Seven right. This is her third sabbatical, so she'll be talking about that a little bit uh, later on. But right now, it's festival time. You know, now that it is springtime and summer all over America, there's lots of live events uh, going on. And it's a great way to experience your town. Or if you're thinking about going to a different city, go and there's a great festival on. Like we're doing in New Orleans next week, like we're going to be That's doing. That's the best time to travel. Right. When there's something fantastic going on when there's a big festival that you can join. If you're going to be traveling a lot during the summer, lots of times you can find apps on the web that will help you save money, find cool places that you didn't even know existed. And for some of those ideas, let's talk to the traveling diva. Well, the first thing you need to do is have a place to stay. And what do you do? There's tons of apps out there, but the ones that we actually like, we had um, the owner of Hotel Tonight join us a couple of uh, shows ago, and we can highly recommend that one. I, yeah, I used it this weekend, and it was fantastic. I saved more than 50% on a hotel room, got a great hotel. It's great. Yeah. Before that, I used to use Hotels.com, which is great, but it doesn't give you the same advantages that uh, Hotels Tonight has. This was cheaper than Hotels. That's what I just said. Mm-hmm. There's another app called WorldMate that is largely for business travelers and combines all the travel booking info. It combines the flights, the hotels, the cars. Um, and kind of it like even passbook? has similar, but this even has like world clocks and maps, everything in just one app. You don't have to get out of the app to look at something else and you don't have to go find everything outside of the app. You find everything in that one place, which I think it's fantastic. I wonder if it's integrated with any of the social networks. Well, this one actually does have a integrated into Outlook and add in and uh, to the to the LinkedIn account, but none of the social networks. Okay, what else you got? Okay, so there's something that I thought I had invented, and I was going to take it to um, to Yelp and maybe try to sell this add-on to the app, but it is called Ping Spot, and it's a virtual pin board that flags you and your friends' favorite restaurants and shops. And it allows you to ping places that you visit, leave a photo, leave a recommendation so that you have an app of the places that you like. So if you're wandering around and thinking, what am I going to do today? I'm in Studio City, your local hotspot, and you're hungry. What am I going to do today? Look at your ping spot. Where did you go? Oh, that Indian place was great. Let's go there. And you already remember everything. And you can, you know, your friends' uh, ping spots are also connected to yours. So you can invite your friends and say, hey, let's meet at the place where we went. So it's like a virtual pinup board of things that you know are good because it's either you or your friends. Exactly. And you've already been there. So it reminds you of what's to do on Thursday. This would be great for, like, people (laughs) who've lost their memory. No, this is great for anybody. we, we sit around on Tuesday nights, Thursday nights thinking, okay, so what are we going to do? And we forget great places that we've been to. Mm-hmm. And these are places that are around, around here. So there's a list of the places that you've been to and your options. So it's like your own personal approved yellow pages. Correct. Okay. What's it called? Pink Spot. Okay. And here's one for the uh, adventure traveler. Uh, well, I call this an adventure because I don't go on roller coaster rides because they make me dizzy. But there's an app called the Roller Coaster Guide that finds you roller coasters anywhere. It has a database of over 5,000 roller coasters with photos and the speed and the height of the upcoming rides. And you can filter the, um, the rides by the height or 
you can figure out which pla- which park to visit. I didn't know there were 5,000 roller coasters in the in the US oh, or yeah. even in the world, 5,000 roller coasters. The American coasters. Eagle's a five pant load roller coaster. You shit your pants five times, it's so scary. Okay, that's horrible. That's how they rate them from one from zero to five pant loads. Yeah. Well, when you get this app, you can get a discount to go shit your pants. <laughs> You can buy the ticket on the app wow. if you like roller coasters. That's fantastic. Now I have a reason to ship my pants instead of just doing it at random. And that's it. The, f- the top three apps for the week. And those will also be posted on our website, which is a forkontheroadshow.com if you didn't have a chance to write them down. It's a great resource if you miss some of our past shows or need some information or to get uh, cheap fares on FairBuzz or any of our other sponsors. So go check that out. Anyone that loves to travel probably loves to eat because if you don't eat while you're traveling, you'll eventually die. Our first guest is a world-renowned chef. She's one of the founders of the Border Grill, Street, the street food truck, and a new place called the Mud Hen Tavern. And she's joining us today to talk about food and travel. It's Susan Feniger. Welcome to A Fork on the Road. Hi, Susan. Hey, how are you guys? We're great. Thanks for joining us. Uh, we're, we're so happy to have you with us because more than any other chef we can think of, you have made your living on the streets. <laughs> <laughs> Yes, that is true. I am very drawn to the streets. Why is that? Well, I just think, you know, I, I I think probably it started way back. I took, you know, one of my first, one of my first trips, I think, was when I was in high school, or my first food trips when I was in high school, I lived in Israel and for, you know, a short period of time on a kibbutz. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, I took, there were three of us without any money, and we, at one point, we went traveling for a couple of weeks and sort of just ate on the street and ate this incredible food. And I think that sort of really got me started in loving, you know, just finding great little finds on the street, in alleys, in neighborhoods, and and it really, even though I didn't ever think at that point I was going to be a chef, I didn't really think about it. It for sure, I think, was something that influenced me. And then, you know, after opening City Cafe in 81, I took my first trip to India. And then even then, I just feel like um, even though I had done many years in the French kitchen and training and very strict kitchen, that that experience of eating on the street again then in the early 80s in India really blew me away and I think changed the whole direction for me in my career with food and what I was drawn to. Well, and it's it's really the ultimate democratization of food. You know, anybody, not anybody, but if you walk into a restaurant, you walk into Commander's Palace and you drop $2,000 on dinner for four people, it damn well better be good. And, and that's going to that restaurant's going to be there for a long time. But really, to survive on the streets, you've got to be extra good because there's so much competition. Right. The, the, the kiosk next to you, if it sells a better tabbouleh, no one comes to you and you go broke. Yeah. And I think um, what I do think oftentimes street stands do is they take one item and it's something that either potentially you know, someone in their family made or they grew up with, and they just often, when it's really great, they work it and work it until that item is so delicious that when it's great, it can, it usually is, is really like out of the park fantastic. And right. so I, I, 
you know, have to say more often than not, I will eat something on the street that I think really is just blows me away. And it's not that often that that happens to me, you know, in a restaurant. Well, not the same way. Personally, I love eating street food whenever I travel because next to living with a local or being invited to their home for a home-cooked meal, that's the next best thing, eating street food from people that are, you know, making it and not at a, at a big corporate place. Yeah, um, I mean, you know, even if you talk about, you know, even not corporate, like not chains, but there is something really one. I don't know if it's the energy, the atmosphere, it's the connection you have with the person on the street, you know. It's a it's, direct connection to the chef. And, and it's a direct connection to a culture that I think when you're sitting in a restaurant, you don't get. And there's something about that that I think when I'm traveling is really uniquely from that world. And I think I, it's a survival instinct, too, because if they're making one thing at their stand and it sucks... They're not going to be able to feed their kids or pay their rent. You know, it's, it's so, I think yeah, there's it a better be good. Maybe that's the energy you're talking about. It's like this has got to be great because there's so many other places you can go and eat. But you're stopping at this stand to eat my stuff. Yeah, that's when you get return customers. Yeah, I mean, I, you know, for me, it's really about um, I love the connection that gets made. I love the communication that happens even when you don't speak the language, when, you know, there's something very, obviously very down and dirty and real that happens there. And when you find one of those great places, it really is. It's very inspirational. And for me, it sort of gets me thinking about food in a different way. It, You know, we took this trip just recently with three of our chefs to Tijuana just for the day. And we spent like 10 hours eating on the street. And, you know, there were just... There were the certain things that we ate that just sort of stuck in your mind and you bring that back and you put, sort of put your spin on that and you end up with this really, you know, we ended up, I think all of us walking away very inspired by those few moments. Mm -hmm. And that one eight hour day inspired all of our chefs to look at food a little bit differently. And it's, it's fantastic how you take that and you bring it back so people can experience it as well. Because I remember when I went to Ensenada, there's nothing here that will compare to the Ensenada's fish tacos with the beer batter. Nothing. So I love the fact that you go to places and bring them back so that everybody else that may not be able to go to these places with you, may not be able to go, you know, by themselves, they may not have the funds, but they get to experience it here. And speaking of great places, one of the best places that I have ever been to that I looked forward to going and that it was like, oh, what are they going to do next? It was Street on Highland Avenue. Here yeah. in Los Angeles. Yeah, here in Los Angeles. It was, my favorite thing on the menu was that Kaya toast. I couldn't get enough of that. It, it's something that you crave after you leave and you can't wait to get back there and eat it again and have that. I think about it now and I have that taste in my mouth. Well, that's, you know, that's a very, very typical street food dish from Singapore. And you know, we just did a remodel at Street in December, and we renamed it Mud Hen Tavern because we sort of took the whole inside and moved the bar so we could upgrade the whole bar and made it 
cozier because I feel like we sort of miss that mark with coziness. And that for me, what I've always felt about street food everywhere, whether it's in this country or other countries, is the comfort coziness of that. Uh-huh. Oh, yeah. So yeah. we, you know, we kept like the Kayatosa Singapore street food dish on the menu. And, you know, then we sort of did our spin. You the Kaya toast. Oh, thank you for that. Our spin on chicken and waffles that are really, again, one of those, you know, you every once in a while you come up with one of those dishes like the Kaya, like the, you know, chicken and waffles. You know, I think like our potato Rajas tacos at Border Grill that, that just mm-hmm. – knock it out of the park that you just love and you think that's just one of those dishes that you don't ever want to take off the menu. How do you maintain this creative energy and this uh, exploratory energy? I mean, you, you're, you're more than a chef now. You're a brand. You, you know, the Border Grill is famous all over the place, street, and now you have a street truck. You, you, you all over TV. Eve, where, where do you? How do you keep coming up? Why don't you just sit home and say, screw it. I don't care. Just keep sending me the checks. Why does it still matter? Well, you know, I mean, certainly I don't think I think the restaurant business, at least um, it for me, is always is always about being hands on, involved, being inspired myself and hopefully inspiring some of the you know people that work for us. And I think it's really, it's about constantly, constantly sort of staying involved with what's happening in the food world. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, for example, that trip we took to Tijuana, you know, it was the five of us, Mary Sue, myself, our chef, you know, our chefs from the Border Grills. And really that, that was just an inspirational day. We were down there for 10 hours and, you know, it was... It wasn't that you come back with a million recipes, but if you come back with one great new idea, that's exciting and inspiring. And so I guess, you know, I love food. I love, you know, trying new things. I love meeting new people, experiencing new things. So it's the combination of all of that and going to new places. I was in, you know, Shanghai last year and um, in Vietnam and the year before that. And I've you know, you learn about cultures and people outside of America that is, you know, that just keep, for me, it just opens my world, my life to so much bigger than just myself and my own little restaurant. So, mm-hmm. you know, I, luckily for me, you know, my work pushes me to do that, to stay inspired and on top of things. And I try to make myself make time to do that. Um, because I think it's, you know, 30 plus years later, it's what has kept um, us able to keep restaurants that are still, you know, strong and going. And, you know, the restaurant business, it's hard to, you know, stay around for this. True, true. very hard. Um, and, you know, you also have a great television career. Uh, what do you like better doing? Would you rather be in front of a camera or in a kitchen? Um I can answer that for her. (laughs) It's obvious. (laughs) Um, You know what? I love teaching. I have to say I love teaching. I feel completely comfortable in front of the camera. Um, But probably my, my real passion is the relationships I have with 
kitchen staff and the team and front of the house staff and customers. I love the energy of a restaurant. I really do. I love everything about it. I love that I get to wear a uniform to work. I love, you know, being able to use the restaurants and do my grocery shopping. You know, I love, you know, traveling and eating food and meeting people and learning about cultures through food. I love the energy of when we're really busy and being able to be on that line. We just did a big, huge benefit in San Francisco a couple of days ago for um, a board, the Scleroderma Research Foundation that I've been on this board for 25 years. And, you know, we raised, we, we raised by cooking, we raised $600,000 for medical research for scleroderma. Wow. wow. That's fantastic. So, you know, is that Bob Saget's thing? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Well, actually, I've been on the board for 25 years, and Bob got joined the board about 17 years ago when his sister passed away from scleroderma. Mm -hmm. My college roommate had scleroderma. She started the foundation, and I was one of the original board members. Wow. So Mary Sue and I started doing this event called Cool Comedy Hot Cuisine 27 years ago. That's a great comedy. That's a great food town, too. San Francisco is a great, uh, great we, place to eat, great place to be entertained. I mean, we do this event L.A., San Francisco, New York, and we're doing our first one in Vegas on June 5th. That'll be fun. Oh, is that the um, June 5th? Oh, no, I was thinking about the Corralejo tequila dinner that you guys are having. No, we're doing our tequila dinner. I'm totally jazzed about that May 1st. So next uh this week, yeah, this week. Yeah, this week you're having a tequila, Corralejo tequila dinner yes. at uh, Border Girl Las Vegas. And you should be excited about the tequila. <laughs> I am. I am. I'm headed out there uh, Thursday morning. But, yeah, it's a fantastic. We do these dinners. We do them, like, once every two months in Vegas. This particular dinner, the menu looks fabulous. We're doing, like, uh, crispy ribeye sopes. We're doing a flatbread mm. with wheat lacoche and panela cheese and a poblano aioli. Oh, that sounds delicious. You know, we're doing a tequila cured sea bass crudo with pepita seeds and Oof. habaneros. You know, so we're doing a chipotle glazed duck carnitas, which are going to be fabulous. How did you get from a kibbutz to the border grill? I know. Where did you grow up? Did you, you sound like you grew up in Chicago. I grew up in Toledo. Close. Close. Toledo. Yeah. I grew up in Toledo, Ohio. And, you know, we're not talking any Mexican food there. <laughs> Although we did have a place that we all used to go to that had terrible Mexican food. But, um, you know, I we opened, Mary Sue and I opened City Cafe in 1981. And, you know, when we went to open the bigger version of City cafe we figured out we had to do something with our little tiny restaurant and we were trying to decide between a taco stand or a noodle shop and the taco stand won we took <laughs> our, we took our first trip to mexico city in 1983 so you know we traveled in a vw bus we stayed in mexico city with the one cook we had in our kitchen at that time, his family, the Neelands, Tacho Neeland, and we stayed with his family, and we just hit the streets and started to learn about really amazing food. Both of us were trained in the French kitchen, and when we 
hit, you know, Mexico and started to eat, you know, go to the markets, go to the markets in Mexico City, come home, we'd cook all day long with his mom, just like learning about the flavors of epizote. And we went on down to the Yucatan in our VW bug and learned about, you know, achiote and what pabil was and epizote. And, you know, it was really, I think that opened our eyes. You know, again, it's sort of for me, I had taken that trip to India and it sort of opened my eyes away from the French kitchen and into strong flavors. And then that first trip to Mexico, it just clicked for both of us. And we fell in love with the Latin culture and kitchen. Wow. Well, it's and it sounds like you've learned more on the streets than maybe you learned in the French kitchen. Is it it's I'm guessing it's some form of an evolution. But do you think is it for for new chefs that are coming up right now? Would you suggest that they go and train in, in a kitchen somewhere or hit the road like you've done and kind of learn by the seat of your pants? Well, I think um, I learned a ton in the French kitchens. I worked, you know, for many different chefs. I worked in the south of France for a year. I learned a ton about technique and styles that I think are invaluable. And then with that knowledge, then traveling and eating on the street, I think you're able to understand different cuisines in a way that if you don't have a sort of classic training. So I would, I probably would never give up that ability to either work in very strict, they don't have to be French restaurants, but you know, very professional restaurants where you learn how to make, you know, pas de choux, you know, creme anglaise, you learn how to make, you know, um, you learn how to make a beurre blanc, you learn how to make a great fish stock, a chicken stock. You learn the basics. Right. You, have you, you, learn the, you learn the basic vocabulary of cooking, and then once you, you've mastered that language, you can go out into the world and apply that knowledge to all the different flavors you suck up. Yeah, and I think it makes you able to, I think it helps you. It's like, you know, learning the very basics so that you then are able to build upon it. I think without that knowledge, it's very hard to build upon that and be able to do things as well. Yeah, I, I, and certainly you are the poster woman for that. We, we talk to a lot of chefs and a lot of people that travel for a living on the show, musicians and actors and things. And I, I always say the best most authentic way to travel someplace is you travel on your stomach, travel on your tongue. You you experience a culture through what the people eat because they're cooking the people down in the Yucatan. They cook with chicken eggs and avocados and fish because that's what they got. Yeah. Dif- different things, you know, if you're in Texas or if you're in Canada, the way they use them. Yeah, you get different things and it's really a, a a window into people's psyches and their souls, I think. And if somebody wanted a window into Susan Feniger, um, I know that you're you have cooking classes coming up. I'm, I may be able to uh, come and see you in your, your cooking classes at Border Grill Downtown LA in Saturday. Yeah. I'm wondering if you're um, going to be doing that in, in the at the new restaurant at Mud Hen Tavern. Well, I'll tell you, we're doing. You know, Mary Sue and I do like once every two or three months we do a class like we are doing one yeah end of may may 31st we're doing a whole vegetarian cooking class and we're doing it at 10 in the morning it's pretty pretty fabulous you know we're gonna do like a fava bean huarache a squash blossom relleno 
you know, avocado cocktail, you know, or chata panacota. Ooh, yeah, chata panacota. Yeah, so we I just, went. I went to school with Orchana Paticata. Great, great third baseman. <laughs> and uh, and you know, and we're doing one in Vegas on May 10th, uh, and so it's sort of Mother's Day brunch, and um, and that's a pretty cool thing where we're doing all brunch items. And yeah, every once in a while we do them at Mud Hen Tavern. Um, they're not as regular as we do them at. Border Grill, but we we have done two or three of them since we opened Mud Hen Tavern. So I mean, you can go to the Border Grill website, you know, or you can go to uh, which is you know bordergrill.com, or you can go to uh, same thing. You can go to mudhentavern.com and learn about what we're doing. When we're doing classes, we do great events at Mud Hen. Like every Monday, we do these great events, and um, you know where we do like an oyster. We did these oyster and scotch, the whole month of March, we did these scotch tastings on Monday that were just fabulous. That's a good drink. Oops. That's a good drinking day, Monday. Um, Monday mudness. <laughs> exactly. For people that don't live in Los Angeles or Vegas, what's the best way for them to kind of pick up on your cooking mojo and learn? Would you say your books, your videos? Do you ever travel and do cooking classes in other cities around the country well she also has twitter yeah you can't learn how to cook from twitter No, but you can find out where she's going to be next and when she's coming to your city exactly or my facebook you can do it or you could go to you know there's i have all these um i have all these videos right now they're they're up on a site called diyfood.com they posted a bunch of my cooking tips or uh you can go to uh, LizLockman.com, and there's a bunch of cooking videos on there. So, you know, I mean, there's videos on there, and on the DIY food right now, you know, I don't know how long they'll be up there there, and, you know, about chef tips and chef global ingredients. And, you know, um, I think the best way, I mean, probably is to take a cooking class, but if you're not here, I think our cookbooks, very Sue and I have, you know, all of our border grill books and then we i also have the street food cookbook and i think those are great ways in which to take a simple recipe and experiment with them and then you can always go onto facebook and ask any questions you want Mm -hmm. and you know i respond to that i have one question for people that are not in la um, just one. Uh, for people that are not in L.A., how can they get your Kaya toast? Because everybody <laughs> should taste that. It is insane good. Well, you can buy the street food cookbook and the recipe is in there. It is. Yeah. I know what I'm getting. Cha-ching. Yeah, there's a sale <laughs> right there. Uh, if you were not a chef, what would you do? Couldn't be a chef. If I was not a chef... What I, else interests you? What would, would you, what, what would be next? Well, I have tons of interest, but if I was not a chef, I think I'd probably be a therapist. Well, oh. yeah, because that, you got to be a therapist to be able to run a kitchen because everyone in food service has some screw loose, right? So you're constantly dealing with uh, the personalities and all the dramas in the kitchen, which I, I don't think people at the front of the house really appreciate. T- tell us a good you must have a crazy story from your kitchens over the years. You got a good story you can share with us? 
Well, you know, there's always fabulous, <laughs> great stories and, you know, about of things that happen, you know, in the kitchen. I mean, I, know I remember one time Mary Sue and I were going doing an event. Um, sorry. We were going to do an event um, in downtown L.A. during rush hour. And we had uh, two five-gallon containers of hollandaise for this event. This is probably 25 years ago. <laughs> and um, Traveling with hollandaise. And my next book. I don't know who was driving, but we were in my old dumpy car that, uh, you know, we used to always go to the fish market in. So it stunk and it was dirty. And one of us slammed on the brakes and the bucket <laughs> on the floor. But we were late. So we uh, over and scooped up. Oh, 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 oh no. Like it was all the little black little pieces in there. We pretended like they were black pepper. Oh, no. <laughs> Talk about street food. Right off, <laughs> right off the street. God knows what was in that sauce. Uh, no one knew and no one got sick. So that was good. Well, Susan, thank you so much for joining us. Uh, you're a... A culinary icon here in Los Angeles. We've eaten at Street many, 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 many times. times, and I guess now we will be going to the Mudhen Mud Tavern. Mudhead, Mudhen. Because the Toledo Mudhens—that's the baseball oh, team in Toledo—would be my guess, you know, right? It's, it's more about the, you know, the Mudhen bird is from the Midwest, from Toledo, and it has actually, you know, all over MacArthur Park, you see the Mudhen bird. Hmm. So I didn't know that. It's quite cool. Yeah. Oh. So you got to come try Mud End Tavern. It's it's wonderful. I and I hope someday you may uh, consider bringing in some Cuban item or maybe some New Orleans uh, fried green tomatoes yeah, an, with your yeah, twist. He's an excellent Cuban chef. Is that true? Well, yes, <laughs> sure. Love that. Some Cuban food or some fried green tomato y mm. things from New Orleans. Yeah. Or something with crawfish. Mm. Yeah, well, we do. We run, you know, we do. We run specials that are, you know, particularly, uh, you know, I think we did just recently, we did a fried green tomato dish. So that's why said that. Yeah. Yum. Simple and delicious. Well, we Susan, thank you so much for your time. We appreciate it. Thank you for Absolutely. being so curious and uh, tireless. In your cuisine, really, the, your, your energy pops through the radio here. And um, uh, and we reap the benefits. We do. Thank you so much. Continued success Hi, in your eatings and your travels. Thank you, Susan. Man, is she energetic? She's fantastic. Some... And her food shows it. Her yeah, food her food's shows delicious. where she's been. Mm -hmm. she's, it's incredible. That kaya toast, I cannot get that out of my head. It's delicious. I'm so glad that the new place has it. Well, and a lot of people that have been working their career and have been as successful as she has been after 30 years would probably start phoning it in. I know I would. Well, I would not work that hard anymore. And she's uh, constantly on the search for a new flavor, a new combination of tastes. And uh, that's why people go back to her restaurants over and over again. She's enthusiastic and very clever and... Uh, the kind of person you'd want to sit down and have a couple of drinks with and, and chat with. Very fun. And she's always out in the restaurant, too. We always see her when we go to the restaurant. So thank you for joining us, Susan. That was fantastic. She works hard. Someone who doesn't work quite as hard, or you know what? That's not fair. She probably works as hard, but she also takes time off to smell and eat the roses. Our next guest is Jamie Watkins, and we're going to be talking to her about uh, radical sabbaticals. If you've ever wondered how you can just escape your life for longer than a weekend, longer than a week, 
Um, Jamie Watkins can tell you how to do that. She takes sabbaticals every seven years or so, and this is her third one. And uh, this is an escape from reality for a really long time, not just to go to work somewhere, not just to go on vacation, but this is to live in a place for three, six months, a year. And, uh, well, why don't we let her tell us? Good idea. Jamie Watkins, welcome to A Fork on the Road. Hi, Jamie. Hi. So glad to be here. Thanks for having me. So you're a professional slacker. You're, 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 walking, you're walking away from your career and you're going to take a sabbatical. Is sabbatical just a, the Latin word for lazy? What, what is a sabbatical? A sabbatical? Well, in my mind, a sabbatical is a, an extended time off of work. Mm-hmm. I've done this now several times. You know, I think on average people study like 21 to 25 years and then they're in the workforce for 45. And if they're lucky, they get to retire for 10 to 15 by that time, they're tired and... And old and sick and can't really move. Sick and tied down. And I was kind of watching this rat race going, this doesn't make any sense to me. So uh, as soon as I graduated college in 21, at 21, I decided uh, I was going to take some time off. And so I took the year off, went to Europe. And then it's just so happened that about every seven years, I get the seven-year itch and I'm ready to take a little mini retirement again. That's a good seven-year itch. It's like, right? oh, I'm itching to travel. <laughs> exactly. And you know what? You make a great point. Most people live for, not most, but some people live for retirement and they're saving their money and they're like, oh, when I retire, I'm going to do everything I've always wanted to do. But in the meantime, I'm going to be miserable. And then they retire and lots of them die right away because their life changes or they're so old and infirm they can't go to Italy and they can't go to Europe and have a great time. So you're That's kind right. of time-shifting your retirement. Yeah. Uh, or the, or people get their personalities so wrapped up in their work that they don't know who they are after that. And I just decided I wanted to explore and see the world and know myself um, away from work. So that's what I've done. And where did you go on your first sabbatical? So my first sabbatical, I went and I, uh, I worked in a pub, actually, in England and then traveled through Europe. That was when I was 21 to 22. So you're lazy and a drunk. <laughs> Got it. Those wanna, of you keeping it scored home, lazy and I want to go. I want to go on sabbatical with her. Yeah, really. Yeah, do it's fun. Come so, with. are you a writer? Are you a creative person? Are you are you using these experiences to create some kind of work? Or are you just going to have fun? You know, it's different every time. I, I don't really set out with a set itinerary. I just see what kind of comes up. The other thing is, I. I really don't even make a plan. I just kind of arrive and see what happens, see who I meet and see where I go. I really like the idea of intuition-based travel, just kind of see see what happens. Uh-huh. Um, I like that idea because it kind of clears my mind and then creates space for me to listen to my heart. And sometimes my heart says, you should create a travel series based on this, which I've done. You should write down these experiences and uh, maybe start to write a book. So it just kind of depends on what comes up for me and who I meet and where I go. So you're flying by the seat of your pants. We, we that That's actually kind of a cool way to travel. Just this past week, I was in Georgia, and I used this new app called Hotel Tonight. Uh, we had had the owner on the show a couple weeks ago, and he said it's really easy. You just, you know, you put it on your phone. It knows where you are. You hit one button, and it suggests a bunch of different types of hotels for you in that city that night. And I got a great hotel in Atlanta for 55% off. Oh, wow. I got oh. a, a really great hotel for like 80 bucks when the rack rate was over 200 Wow. That's so good. this it's a, oh. a great um, app you should check out. It's called Hotel Tonight. 
And um, our oh, hotels tonight or hotel tonight? Uh, hotel tonight. Hotel tonight. And it uh, saves you money and it's great for people that are on the go or, you know, their flight gets canceled or whatever. Um, but you obviously didn't have this on your first sabbatical. So how do you, you're traveling as a, <laughs> a solo woman? Yes, I have in the past. Uh, well, not everyone has the luxury of, you know, time and space, nor does everyone think that my idea of sabbaticals is a good one. So a lot of times I just kind of set out on my own. But um, a well, lot that's of good. It forces you to talk to people. It does. And there's always, you know, I've done it on the cheap as well. So I normally stay in the past. I've stayed in hostels and just kind of rock up to a place, go to the reception and say, will you have me? Luckily, it's always worked out. Haven't had to sleep on the street yet. I've never stayed in a hostel and I'm uh, I'm not in college anymore, so I don't really want to try it. Right. Is, is it is it really just a bunch of pot smoking hippies sitting around? And I would just imagine everyone's trying to get laid. No, not not. Well, there are there is that there is there are the hippies too. Um, you know, there are families, there are uh, retired folks, there's all sorts of people. What I like about the hostile environment is uh, it's not hostile. Hostile environment. <laughs> That's so funny. What I like about hostels is it's a lot of solo travelers, so it's easy to meet people. You know, you go into the lobby and there's people from all over the world who are looking for a travel buddy to go to a museum with or to travel north or south with. So I like it for the social aspect. And that's a really a great point. A lot of people, if they're going to go on vacation with a spouse or a friend or a group of friends, it seems like the bigger the group is, the more insulated you can become from the, the culture you're supposed to be sampling, you know, okay. where you're just in your own little world. But if you're traveling by yourself... You are forced to, I think, interact more with the elements that you're trying to visit. Mm-hmm. Exactly. And also, your your image of a hostel, it's kind of like a rundown place and people with backpacks. A few of them are not like that. Do you get your own private room? Um, I do now that I'm a little older and I'm more seasoned. You know, when I was 21, 22, I didn't. I would stay in the kind of a bunk bedroom. But for not very much more, I can have my own room and my own bathroom and still have all the social benefits of staying in a hostel. Okay. All right. So we got the um, the uh, hotel nailed down. How do you decide where to go? You know, people always ask me, oh, you've traveled all over. Where should I go? And I, should I go to India? Should I have a, a spiritual experience in India? And I say, where have you always wanted to go? Oh, Scotland. But should I go to India? No, go to, <laughs> no, go to Scotland. <laughs> you know, we all have these weird little places in the, in the bottoms, in the pits of our stomach that we're like, I really want to go there. You should start there. If you have that feeling, it's because there's something there for you. My, my uh, friend Elizabeth and Bobby Cleveland in Macon, Georgia, told me last weekend that they're going to New Zealand. And I said, why? And she just said, you know what? I don't know. I just always wanted to go to New Zealand. Exactly. So we're going. That's awesome. But that's not always great. When I was young, I always wanted to go to Paris. Pa I, my house was decorated uh, Paris chic. My dog's name at the time was Paris. Everything was Paris this, Paris that. I learned a little bit of French. I went over there. I booked a trip for eight days, and my friend, um, this flight attendant, fabulous flight attendant friend of mine, told me, you're not going to be there for eight days. You're going to get bored after, you know, five. Because the French are assholes. Stop it. <laughs> And I got there, I got my hotel, and uh, after four days, 
that were so rude, that were so mean. I mean, the city is absolutely stunning, and you should see it because it's stunningly beautiful. The art is amazing. The food is great, and you walk around everywhere, and you find little corners of Paris that are beautiful, but the people sucked. So my experience in Paris, after four days, I was done. I got on, at the time, it was Hotels.com. I got on Hotels.com, and I booked a hotel in Bruges, and I left and had a fantastic time. I took my train over there, my train back. When I came back, I changed my entire decor in the house it was no longer paris it was no longer country french and i changed my dog's name my dog's name was after that paris <laughs> that's a great story so you named your dog so, after a shortstop what <laughs> that's the last name paris yeah so it's not i don't know i don't know what was there for me i mean i yeah, always wanted to go to paris and i went and it was not what i expected i expected paris of the 1950s so mm-hmm. maybe what was there for me is the realization that hey when you want when you want to go to paris take a trip to bruges instead <laughs> you know it's so nice that you allowed yourself that flexibility to not be tied to your preconceived notions but to just kind of flow with the trip and that's what i think intuition-based travel really is is being open to not having all these preconceived notions, but just kind of seeing what comes up. You, you may not like places. I don't always like places. And I just move on to somewhere else. And so. I, I think it would be a challenge for type A personalities. You know, there are people, some people that we travel with that have packing lists and they have everything written down and everything is planned and every moment is scripted out. And to me, I mean, you, I think you need some of that so you don't get screwed and left it out in a hotel room. But you have to build in time and energy for discovery. And uh, right. it's I admire you for just being able to just walk out of your door and not really know where you're going to end up. Thanks. Yeah, it's a little it's a little crazy. How many times have you had a sabbatical? So I've done it twice now. I did it when I was 21. I did it when I was 20. Sabbatical at 21. Yeah. Wow. I want to hang out with you. (laughs) I did it again when I was uh, 27, 28, and I'm 35 now. So I'm uh, looking into doing it this year as well. You're on the same cycle as that uh, Michael Apted movie, 7-Up. Every seven years, he goes back to the same kids. This has been going on since the 70s and does a documentary on their life. And it's, Mm. you know, it's just every, they're on that seven-year circadian cycle. So how is your sabbatical at 35 going to be different than it was at 21? Oh, great question. Um, I, I, I want to go to Africa this time. I want to like trek through Uganda and, and visit Tanzania and Kenya and, um, Zimbabwe. And so that's really part of the world I haven't explored. So just the sheer nature of the destination will be different. Um, I also think I don't want to stay in, in rooms full of 12 people. Um, so it will be a little bit nicer than that than when I was 21. Mm-hmm. And uh, also I'm in a position now where my, my friends are a little older and they have a little bit more desire to travel. So what I'm hoping is that, you know, a friend here or there will come meet me um, in destination at some point, which never happened when I was 21. And do you have anything planned, like safaris? Um, I don't, no. One of the luxuries of having a lot of time too is you can just kind of walk up and get last minute additions to safaris or or trips. So that's kind of what my plan is. That's an excellent point, especially traveling by yourself. I mean, there's there's Mm -hmm. two basic ways to save money on travel. The first way is to plan things eight months in advance when the prices are low and you can you can get a bargain because you're jumping in early. The second way is to wait till the absolute last minute. And, you know, the price sometimes you pay on that is there's no availability or you're you're aced out of things that you want to do. But traveling as a single person there's always room for one person on the boat, on the, you know, on the tour, on the safari, 
at a concert. There's always someone that has one ticket that they want to get rid of. That's what I find, too. So it's kind of nice to not plan too many things. There are things I have, kind of what you had said, Mark, about having an idea of where I want to go. I have some ideas. Like I said, I want to do this trek um, in Uganda to see the mountain gorillas. So I have ideas. I just kind of am flexible on my dates. Okay. If someone, um, what, what job are you getting away from? I actually love my job. Um, I actually write and produce a travel series. In fact, uh, you had Brandon on the show. I work with Brandon on a show called The Dime Traveler, um, which we've just done for fun. So I write and produce, uh, yeah, The Dime Traveler. And then I also work in production. I work on promos and commercials and movies and documentaries. I love my job. I'm not running away from it. I just sometimes like, you know, to separate myself from, um, from everything and just kind of take time to listen. Yeah, and this is this is the kind of job that you actually can get away from. It's not a nine to five where you can, you know, you want to talk to your boss and say, "Hey, can I take you know a month off?" Or how long are you going for? Uh, In the past, I've done six months, so I'll probably do. My plan is to do anywhere between three and six months this year. Wow! How do you finance that? that? Uh, Well, I I was talking to my mother about this very same thing. She has a lot of concerns about, um, you know, these crazy ideas I have of sabbaticals and things. But, you know, Los Angeles is an expensive city. By the time you're paying rent and your car payment and you're going out to dinner, I spend out to dinner with my friends the same as I would for two days or three days in some of these places. It's actually cheaper for me to take time off away from L.A. than it is in L.A. So how do you do it? Do you stockpile a bunch of cash and then leave or do you work while you're gone? No, I try. I I think of it as taking just a little bit out of my retirement fund, you know. Maybe I'll work five years later than... uh, my neighbor, but I do stockpile some cash and then, uh, and then travel wisely, travel frugally. So you're not working, uh, you're not taking odd jobs along the way. No. However, it's really interesting, the creative ideas that come when you just give yourself some time and space. Because all the clutter fades yeah. away when you're having fun and relaxing. Yeah, exactly. It's really interesting, the messages that come through when you just give yourself the luxury of some quiet so I find a lot of my ideas and inspirations that I use for the next seven years come from that time off. Mm-hmm. You know, and what do you do with your with your life here? What do you do with your apartment, your house? Your... I mean, if you're dating someone, well, how do you break that news to them? <laughs> That's you better true. go visit. That's true. It's all, I've always been, maybe I have a seven-year cycle in relationships, too, because I've <laughs> always been single during these times. That's a good time to take off. Yeah. Like, oh, I broke up with a guy. I'm leaving. I got to go. Um in the past, I've put everything in storage. This year, I'm trying to find a way in which I don't have to pack up everything in L.A. Um, so I'm still kind of working that detail out. Airbnb, yes. rent your place. I know. Best you can actually ever. make a little money on the side mm-hmm. from that. So true. I'm writing all these things down. Hotel tonight, 7-Up, Airbnb. You guys are full of good ideas. Yeah, Airbnb is great, especially if you're going to be renting um, a furnished place if you're anywhere near the ocean or in a real desirable place you can get a lot of money for your place and then you know you use that money as income while you're traveling right yeah great idea are you going to be doing like a video log or a blog or anything where people can follow you along your journey or you just you are punching out um i'm not sure i haven't decided that yet either maybe we should check in with you while you're there that's a great that's a great idea can you find internet where you're oh you can always find internet Maybe not every day, but sometimes. Do you find your standards for hooking up are different when you're traveling than when you're in your regular house? (laughs) That's a a delicate way of putting it, right? (laughs) 
I, no, I think my standards don't are lie. No, high. don't lie to me, don't Jenny. Lie. They're got to be a little different on the road. There better be. Come on, six months. You know, I always say people assume that when you're free and travel, that you're free in all areas of your life. It is so true. So there are some people who feel like because I'm traveling, that that means my standards are really low. But I gotta, I gotta be honest. I keep them pretty high on the road or at home. I'm not talking about standards. I'm just saying. Uh... Let's see. How can I put this delicately? Perhaps you collapse your time frame. Mm, that is, uh, yes. I have had some travel romances that have been pretty epic and only lasted three days, if no, that's what you mean. That's what I mean. That's exactly okay. what I meant. Yes. Yes. Um, Tell us about the best one. Not the, not the juicy, dirty details, but like how did you meet? <laughs> yeah. You know, tell us the story. Because really, that not that why people travel? <laughs> oh, that's my God. Why people that's travel, why I travel. But it's a good perk. That's why you travel. What why. happened in Macon, Georgia last week? <laughs> <laughs> Do you really want me to tell you that story? This is so funny. Sure. <laughs> unless you don't want to. Unless you're not free and open, Jamie. Come on. <laughs> this is We're just sharing. Love and peace, Jamie. Hey, I'm all about love and peace. Um, I met... Well, I'd love to get a piece, too. So tell us about yours. <laughs> a piece of love. <laughs> <laughs> I met a Dutchman on an overnight bus in the middle of uh, Thailand. And I traveled with this man for like four weeks. And we had an international love affair for about a year. Wow. Fabulous. Yeah. And and uh, he was great. Great conversation, you know, mm-hmm. really fun adventure. Uh, stayed in little huts all around Thailand. It was a fantastic time. Okay. That's that great. Was, that was uh, my 27-year-old sabbatical. That that was... Do you think if you had met that 20, guy in a restaurant sabbatical. here in L.A., uh, the same thing would develop? Or are you... you, you... Because you're on vacation, you were a little more open to something wild and crazy. Mm. That is a great question. You know what I mean? If the guy happened to be working in the cubicle next to you or it was a somebody. I never right hooked up when I traveled. But then again, I didn't travel for six months. But I've never. Yeah. No, unless I, I travel with travel. someone, I never hooked up because I was just not in my comfort zone. I was afraid something bad was going to well, happen. And that's a good point. I mean, you don't know the people as well as you would. But, you know, who do you know anyways? Right, that is true. I do have I do have some rules. Like if I'm traveling by myself and I'm out at a bar, I never get drunk. I mean, if you're if you're a solo long term female traveler, you do have to be smart. Yes, you do have to make some um, concessions. But I did trust him, and I I did really fall for him. And uh, if he was in a cubicle next door, you know, we had a really yes, we had a deep deep connection. I think I I would have fallen for him if he was in a cubicle next door. Mm-hmm. But a tropical background never hurts the romance. No, it doesn't. Mm-mm. And and I'm That's sure hot. tropical for him too. I mean, <laughs> the Dutch it's a it's a cold, clammy place they come from. Yes, below sea level. Right, being in Thailand, I'm sure it was very enticing for him as well. I'm sure it was. So, uh, well, there, you I'm know sure... what? And I'll give you one little um, app or uh, a website that you can use while you're traveling if you do want to yep. just like grab a drink with someone. Um, there is this airport website called Meet at airport.com and it's like a website for it's like a dating website and you have an account and you put in your itinerary and the people that are in the website that are looking to date or to meet people or just to hang out or have a drink if you have a layover in texas or if you're going to thailand and you have a couple of you know hours before your flight leaves you go in and check out who else is at the airport yeah that's a, that sounds like a hookup website to me 
<laughs> if you're meeting someone in an airport, Come you're on. looking to get isn't, laid. Isn't, it's, it's, well, I don't know about getting laid, gonna, but why? Who? Why am I? Gonna, why am I going to go want to talk to some girl for three hours and then say goodbye? They may have a hotel inside the. Then airport. I'm interested. <laughs> but you know what? What if it's airports Tinder? What is boring place? It's, it's, no, it's not Tinder. Boring. Who doesn't want to have a drink with someone interesting? Oh, are you kidding? Airports, <laughs> the best people watching in the world. Is had an airport. So you meet at the bar and you have a drink with a great handsome stranger. Um, that doesn't sound appealing to me for some reason. That's so you. You don't have to meet with a handsome stranger. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> well, I'm going to use it. I, I wrote that one down too. So there, I'm sure there are some people listening who have the wherewithal and the desire to take their own sabbaticals. Yes. Give us some advice for the first time sabbatical taker. Uh, how do you do it? Make it affordable, make it safe and make it as fun as possible. I guess my number one tip would be, you know, does just taking time off to be quiet and listen and get some new ideas doesn't even have to involve travel. For me, that's my passion, so that's what I would say. But I think the key is really just to clear your mind and and disconnect a little bit. Um, the second thing I would do is say go where you feel called to go mm-hmm. if you are going to travel. Um, save up some money and then... Do it on the cheap. It doesn't. You don't want it to break the bank either, because if you do that, you're never going to take another one in seven years. Are there websites or web um, resources that you use that make your traveling easier and your socializing easier from place to place? Yeah, you know what I would say is, uh, I would say check out the Dime Traveler, dime, thedimetraveler.com. I mean, we've done now twelve episodes trying to show how easy and accessible cheap travel can be. Mm-hmm. So I do have a web series, you know, with my friend about how to do that. Um, so I would say check that out. And then, um, yeah, I don't know what other websites I use, actually. Start there. Start with the dime travel. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, please stay in touch with us, Jamie, and, get, you know, kind of give so. us up uh, updates as you careen through your sabbatical. When do you leave? Um, I'm going to leave in August. All right. You know what? We have a we have a couple of websites also that we can give you. Yeah. Um, there's sure. sabbaticalhomes.com. And there's have you ever heard of home exchanges? I have. And have you thought of doing that? I haven't, but that's a great idea. Yeah. Home exchange. Yeah, you're leaving money on the table if your house is just sitting empty. Yeah, homeexchange.com. And you know what? Depending on where you go, for example, if you have a nice, a great apartment in New York City, New York City is a place that everybody wants to go to. Um, trade it. You can trade it with a fantastic villa somewhere in Italy. You can trade it with Paris. I don't know what. I don't know how the house is in. Um, Af- I've never been. But to now Africa. you're getting into more pre-planning, and it doesn't sound like that's her vibe. That's okay. You know, I'm I'm older now. I'm wiser. I'm trying to make this work for me. So I'm I'm open to having it be different every time. So I appreciate these. Well, it all <laughs> sounds very exciting and. Um, very uh, thrilling and exhilarating. I would love to take a especially the not working Rome. part. Exactly. <laughs> no, uh, the way when I travel, I always look at would I be able, would I like to live here when I retire? Mm-hmm. You know, can I still work when I'm older here? Getting out of LA, getting out of doing the the routine. I would love to take a sabbatical to Rome, six months. But I would like to work there. I would like to enjoy. Well, you speak the language. You could work as a waitress. You could work as a, you know, I don't know, as a waitress. Something. Maybe no, in you, a coffee shop. A, Maybe in a coffee shop. Yeah, you'd be a bad waitress. I, think. <laughs> <laughs> I can't do 
deal with inpatient people, especially American tourists. Yeah, and you forget <laughs> stuff. You would forget That's what true. people no, no, no. order. Coffee. I, I could work at a coffee shop. Um, but I would love to do that. <laughs> All right. Well, Jamie, thank you so much for your time. And please, like I said, keep us in the loop. And we hope to hear from you somewhere on the road. Thank you so much. Really appreciate it, you guys. What a free, rambling kind of gal. You know what? I, now she just gave me this credit. I've always thought about it. I never thought it was possible. I, I think I'm going to start working on um, living in Rome for six months. Before, you can work from Rome. I'll write you letters. Well, that wraps up our show. A fantastic, delicious episode. Susan Feniger from Street and Border Grill. And now, Mudhead Tavern. Mm-hmm. And Jamie Watkins, the sabbatical girl. I want to touch base with her later on and see what she's doing in Africa. Well, hopefully she will check in with us. So whether you're really, really, really hardworking like Susan Feniger or someone who wants to stop and eat the roses, uh, hopefully you have something for everyone on this particular episode of Work on the Road Show. Next week, we're going to be coming to you live, remote, from the New Orleans Jazz and Heritage Festival in New Orleans, Louisiana, where we will talk about food and music and fun. So until then, I'm Mark DiCarlo. And I'm the Traveling Diva. We'll see you. Take your to my